Welcome to Envision from the United Way of Greater Charlottesville and News Radio 98.9, 1070 AM WINA. Price Thomas here. Ravi has left me again to my own devices. And I'm here in downtown Charlottesville. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Carter Myers Automotive, for supporting the show. we got a great show for you here. And as we were just joking about on short notice, we have in the studio Mighty Joshua with us, musician, philanthropist, fellow Albemarle High School graduate. We've got a like a Chahamba connection. Um, shout out to the Patriots, by the way. Um, so thanks, man, for joining us and getting getting up the road here. With uh, I think we we gave you like a full eighteen hours. It was about eighteen. Yeah, hours. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's over my threshold of like eleven. So if we're doing better. We're we're gonna get to twenty four. <laughs> I think by next time, and sort of that's the goal. We make it work. That's right. We make it work, man. So. You know, I mean, you, you. This is a this is cool for us, man, because we we've done, you know, like I said, you know, chefs and entrepreneurs. But I mean, as far as music and art, you're you're really the first one we've talked to, and and I know you know you're well known. People know a lot about you. But tell us, give us a little bit about the the foundation and a little bit of give us the Spark Notes version of um of 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 what Mighty Josh was all about. Okay, well, I grew up in Keswick. Um, I grew up a little bit in Charlottesville, but. My childhood home is in Keswick. Yep. I went to Stone Robinson. I went to oh, Burley Middle. Ah, wow, okay. <laughs> and then I went to Albemarle High School. That's right. And then I moved on my way to Richmond. And that's where I really got into music um, in the way that I that I perform it now. Yeah. So talk to me about that. What what drew you to music? Uh, well, my biggest, my oldest brother, um, Joseph, um, I have two two older brothers, James and Joseph. Um, my brother James played in the Albemarle band he played uh in the jazz band did he, he was really an amazing um drummer and so i think really? that might have pulled my ear a little bit to <laughs> percussion and drums and whatnot yeah yeah and then my older brother when i moved to richmond um even before i moved to richmond he had he had gone to virginia state and he started sending me a lot of uh music mm-hmm. and a lot of books that he was getting while he was at in petersburg yeah and um amazing amazing music um amazing literature that he was handing off to me which kind of started to shape my mind of culture um, and music, black history. Yeah. And and that, you know, going in that direction. So we started playing DJ. Okay. Um, we had a drum, we had a, um, a, a DJ crew called uh, Three Brothers, One Million Records. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so we were going to open a record store, but we did a lot of things. We hosted parties. We, we did a lot of things, but we mainly um, DJed and hosted parties and, um, playing mostly roots reggae music yeah we'd open up for certain reggae bands in in richmond okay and uh so that's kind of how i got into the scene of reggae music um and then started playing african percussion at at vcu okay at the african dance class which you know you mentioned chiamba yeah you know the story is it's so many pieces and parts that come together to make this thing what it that's is that's right you know, so I'd had exposure to African percussion when I was a youth. Yeah. And my mother's uh works in the school system. She's worked in the school system for a long time. Okay. And so that's where I saw Chiamba. But fast forward, yeah. uh, VCU, that's where I kind of got into African percussion and playing African traditional Af- West African percussion. Very cool. Yeah, I had my my old Chiamba days. My mom was a a part of the group, so Lil Lil Price had a had a brief djembe career in the uh, in the early nineties. That it doesn't go away. It, so. it it doesn't go away, man. And and there is something. So I think you mentioned something that's really interesting because you know music as an art form is obviously <clears throat> deep and wide. And what what was was it about? Kind of the confluence of like the music and sort of the African history in, in there. I mean, do you feel like there was like a cultural draw to your particular genre, or is it just kind of like what you and the boys kind of felt most comfortable doing? Well, with me, it was just it was different because you know I. I had a job working retail mm-hmm. um, in Richmond, 
And um, I didn't really like doing that at the time. And I, I transitioned from that to pretty much a student um, studying psychology at yeah. VCU. And uh, my job ended up becoming a full-time mm. musician. And so, you know, you kind of get in where you fit in. You know, <laughs> I hadn't really been in a band before. So a brother had actually invited me to play in the band. And he asked me, you know, what do you play? Yeah. I say, <laughs> right. I say, I play percussion. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, well, bring your percussion. You know, gave me an address. Um, I showed up at practice. And so I just brought what I already, you know, mm-hmm. what I had, which was at that time a djembe, a junjun. Yeah. I think I had a conga, yeah, and I had some shaker rays. <laughs> and, uh, Did he know what he, what he what to expect? Was he expecting you to show up with like a you know like a Zildjian symbol and you rock up with the whole whole troop of African drums? I definitely don't think he expected me to show up with a full <laughs> a full African drum rig. <laughs> you got these dudes in the garage with like guitars, Seriously. like what on earth? <laughs> Seriously. So even when we traveled, I would show up. My whole rig, my yeah. rig took up the whole right side of the stage. I was young, man. I just wanted to play music. After Absolutely. And they, you know, they welcomed all of that. My first band was called Job Revelations. Yeah. My first reggae band was called Job Revelations. And um, yeah, I played a full a full West African rig, man. That's that's amazing. I, I read in an interview that you didn't initially take to the, the mighty Joshua moniker initially. I think you said that you felt like you hadn't earned it. Is that true? Um, My, my whole thing with... Uh, I mean, it's like a superhero's name. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> My, like, Mighty's got some weight to it. It's got some weight to it yeah. and responsibility to it. Sure. So, you know, it. You know, how do you, you know, going into entertainment, you know, it's nice to have a stage name. It's of course. It's nice to have a, um, but I will say that, you know, going into it, the, the way this whole thing happened for me, and I, and I kind of say it like that because it was never my intention to be the lead singer of a reggae band. Mm. It was never my. I, I enjoyed playing percussion. I like being low key, sure. kind, of, kind of pulled to the back. Yeah, not really being the front. Um, it's nowhere to hide when you, that, you know, you know. It's, yeah, you know, mighty so, doesn't hide. Mighty doesn't hide. <laughs> so the whole thing, um, you know, I wrote a song. One of my my second song that I wrote was called Mighty Joshua, mm-hmm. and it was Mighty Joshua from the Old Testament. Yep, it wasn't about me. Um, but it was about Mighty Joshua from the Old Testament. Sure. But maybe the song was, you know, as I got a little bit older, maybe it was more about me than I realized mm-hmm. it was about me. So, you know, I had one fan or one family member who just would call me Mighty. That's what she mm-hmm. she called me. <laughs> and uh, and I tried to explain it like, nah, that's not me. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so it it kind of it kind of stuck, and it kind of only made sense. My name's Joshua. I wrote a song called Mighty Joshua. Yeah. So I just accepted the name, but it you know it, it's. I'm, I see myself as a humble man, sure. so um, it was kind of difficult to walk around, to, you know, calling myself mighty, yeah. but realizing what mighty really is, and mighty is being uh, courageous, mm. and mighty is being, um, even when you're, you know, you may be uncomfortable or afraid or nervous, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of digging deep and, and pushing through. Sure. So, you know, it, it does come with weight, but, you know, I am mighty. Yeah. And now we've done some things to where I can say, you know what? That's right. I mean, we've done some mighty things, yeah. you know, and it's not just me. I'm a movement. I'm mm. a part of a movement. Mm. You know, when I say I'm mighty Joshua, I come from mighty. Mm-hmm. So my mother, and my father, they're mighty. Yeah. So they produce. What else can they make? That's right. You know, <laughs> that's right. And we, we were talking about this off air, but we're going to mom. Mom's coming on next time. Next time we get you down here, mom's coming with you. Yes. We'll bring the whole crew in here. We, we got enough mics be to support careful, the whole. Be careful, <laughs> be careful what you say. We deep. It's going out. It's going out on the airwaves. We deep in Charlottesville, man. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> 
So uh, tell me about that. You know, so you've got deep Charlottesville roots, right? And then yeah. you've done the kind of the Charlottesville Richmond scene. And there's a lot of confluence in that between, you know, VCU and the music school and the music scenes overlap. What what have you seen as sort of a, a, a ch- or has there been kind of a change in Charlottesville over the years? Have you kind of tracked, you know, just from, from a, from a, cultural perspective or is that something that you're just like look i've been doing the music thing and i i, I just kind of you know like you said i get in where i fit in and and you know i focus on on my movement you know that way well i i can say that i mean i grew up i grew up in keswick mm-hmm. so i didn't i can't say i spent a whole lot of time in the city of charlottesville mm-hmm. i did because you know that's where business and errands my mother and father worked in charlottesville sure but my childhood was really you know I, most of my memories are based out in the country, man. yeah, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but you know, and and I can say that I Richmond kind of grew me up mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, Charlottesville to see Charlottesville, I, I when I come home, I see Charlottesville has changed a lot. I was always concerned when I got a little bit older just about how Charlottesville kind of dealt with the youth. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like when I was growing up, like Charlottesville really had a whole lot to offer mm-hmm. um, young black males and females. To keep to keep us busy, right? At the time, and and I still think that there's uh you know huge lacking of you know opportunity for 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 the youth mm-hmm. in Charlottesville. I mean, it's this this city is you know it's it's a city that you you see UVA yep. and that's that's kind of that's kind of what that's what Charlottesville. If, some, that's for sure. That's what it is. If you don't dig, then it's right. That's what it is. Yeah. Right. And so I do think that um you know not not really. You know, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but kind of coming back to Charlottesville, I definitely think that we have we have we as a community have a lot of work to do mm. um, to keep it right. Yeah. You know? And you also mentioned in this sort of taking a, a half step back is, by the way, big shout out to our sponsor, Carter Myers Automotive. You mentioned that you said what's good. What good is all the attention unless you can use it to make change. Right. And that's something that you've you know reiterated often and often. What are you most passionate about changing? Right. So so now, you know, you've got a presence and, you know, people say a platform. What is what is what is it that you're really passionate about changing? So. Uh, change is an interesting word, and I said it. Um, but changes, <laughs> you know, what I was, I was thinking about, it. I've been thinking about that for, uh, for a bit is like, you know, change is inevitable, you know, and, mm. and we can make change, but change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really how we come together to, to motivate, um, to shape that change, I guess. Hmm. And, and so I found myself spending a lot of time. I, I spent a lot of time in Kenya. I mm-hmm. worked for a children's center on um, the McKendu children's center in McKendu, um, Kenya, East Africa. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a center that supports destitute youth, um, uh, kids that have been orphaned by parents with AIDS. Mm. And we service about 500 on site and probably about 1,500 in the community. Wow. Um, and we raise money, raise funds and awareness here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the board as well. So we, we work hard to allocate funds for to make sure food, clothing, education, mm. medication, um, shelter. All of the kids are um, end up being taken care of by guardians. Okay, and so we work really hard um, in Kenya for that. So a lot of my work is youth based. Yeah, sure. Um, and so here I also work with uh, Mima Music Group, mm-hmm. um, and in Richmond I also do some work with with the youth. Also in Goochland, I do some work with the youth. So my focus is a lot on. Um, 
helping work to shape the youth mm-hmm. because I truly do. You know, it's, it's very corny to hear that, but <laughs> but the children really are the future. Sure. And I think it is our job to kind of guide them to allow them to shape the future that they want, you know. Hmm. So I think that, you know, that's where the change really needs to take place is really allowing the youth to shape the future that they want with the guidance of the elders. Hmm. Do you think that, and, and you, you know, you mentioned that there's not a, a ton of opportunities and opportunities for, for you know, black youth in, in town. Is that, who, who does that fall to? Is it the municipalities? Is it the schools? Is it folks like you? Is it, you know, sort of public private organizations? I mean, how do you, that seems like a real thing, but it seems like a, a big deal. And like you said, if, if we're focused on kind of stewarding the children so they can sort of shape this change, how do you, how do you do that? You know, and how do you sort of get all the right people on board to do that i don't i don't know if i have the answer for that to be honest with you i do think that it is um it's a collective that must take place like we can't do it you know i can't do it all by myself right um through my music i get a lot of support from the community Mm -hmm. um so the community can choose who they support sure um and so we can you know we can grow seeds together but i definitely think that you know the politicians work for us and i think that we often Mm. forget (laughs) that politicians work for us Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but I think that it really does start with, I think it starts with the community and making certain, mm. um, adjustments and making certain demands. Yeah. Um, my mother has made a huge impact on this city. She's raised so many children mm. in this city. And so when I see the impact that she's been able to make, I see that it starts, you know, in the home mm-hmm. or it starts with the family or it starts with the community. Um, and it's all our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. All of these kids they they are our kids Mm. so you know i i can remember a time when if i found myself hanging out on ten and a half street (laughs) (laughs) there was somebody in a house on ten and a half that that was checking on me sure that would report to my mother right you know my mother would know where i was (laughs) they have an eerie way of doing that don't they and she might pull up and be like i told you to be in a house (laughs) by eight o'clock yeah and how did you even know i was out here yep but the community took it mm-hmm. upon themselves to be responsible for me. And I don't I don't think that that happens as mm. much. But, you know, we all need support. You know, sure. we all need support. But I think I think it's I think it, it starts with the family, starts with the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we need to start making some some demands from the people who have the money mm. to, to help make some of these changes. Mm-hmm. You were listening to Envision from the United Wave Greater Charlottesville, News Radio 98.9, 1070 AM, WINA. Price Time is here with Mighty Joshua in the studio. Uh, let's talk about the music a little bit. So so your work has obviously, it's got, you know, it's deeper than just the music. I mean, what are, I'm going to ask you two questions. One, what are some the messages that you want to get across through your music? But also, I'm going to ask you a question that is, is unfair, but I'm going to make you answer it anyway. Is that, what is, do you have, can you pick a favorite you know, song that you've written, like one that, you know, you look back in sort of the archive and you're like, you know, like that, that was one that I could perform all the time, every day. Like that sort of encapsulates what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why you do me like that, that's right. <laughs> on On the spot. All right, so what is my music about? Or what is the basis of my music? Um, a lot of my music, to be honest with you, is... As I said, like this happened to me. This wasn't a plan for me. Yeah. So uh, I was first presented the opportunity to make music um, in the way that I do uh, by a producer that is from Waynesboro. Okay. Um, his name is Chris Whitley. He he started sending me music and telling me that you know he was like Joshua, you have a, a talent, you mm-hmm. have a skill. 
um, you need to write music and perform more music. And I was, I told him I wasn't really interested in doing that. Um, but he encouraged me. I've had so many people encourage me mm-hmm. um, to do this. Um, so he just started sending me music to make this music, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my goal hmm. or my focus to do this. What, so, what did you want to do? Um, I mean, I work with, I work in a, I work in a private school. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. Um, I've worked in a private school in Goochland for 19 years. Um, huh. and so, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I don't have memories of thinking, you know, I want to be a fireman when I was a youth. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I don't have memories right. of thinking I wanted to, you know, do things like that as a youth. Yeah. My whole life has just been, I love the moment. Sure. You know, so uh-huh. I kind of, I kind of choose what I'm going to do. Um, the guidance of my elders and my ancestors, you know, I, I move with them. They move yeah. with me. Sure. You know? So I, I, I've, I've never had like this projection of like, this is what I want to be. Uh-huh. You know, I want to be a good person. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to impact others. I want to inspire others. Um, but I never had a goal of this is what I wanted. See, to now be. you're going to take me on a detour. Cause, cause that's an interesting question. And do you think that there's two, we can be too prescriptive sometimes in that Definitely. sense of when we deal with kids, we say like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he's like, I want to be not- a lawyer. And we're like, okay. And then all of a sudden you, you're starting to see things through the lens of, is this a step in the right direction to my goal? Is this, I mean, do you think that especially for all of us, people like me who's raising kids or people like all of us who are dealing with young people. I mean, do you find that we start to steer them too much? Most definitely. Yeah. That's not fair. You know, I was told to stop beating on a lunch table. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of musicians with like that exact same story. And I understand it's disturbing the peace to a certain degree, but at the same time, I have something that's in me that's trying to get out Mm -hmm. and no one would have ever, you know, thought Hmm. that, that, Beating on the drum table would lead to me playing percussion, would lead to me being huh. in a reggae band, which would lead to me being able to, you know, create opportunities and feed others. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. no one. So I definitely think that, you know, we create we create paths or we we, huh. we create your destiny for you and tell you this is what you are and this is what you aren't. Sure. And I think that's a bit unfair. You know, yeah, we don't know what we want to do and until we yeah. sometimes until we're doing it. And And how do you. I guess the to play devil's advocate, how do you do that in kind of a semi structured way to help people? And, and I think young at that age, it's they should do a lot of things as they get older. Is, is there a time that you feel it's more responsible in either teenage or early twenties to kind of say, "Hey, maybe you should try this"? So you know, I mean, when when do the reins become a little tighter from an experimentation standpoint? Let's say that Chris Whitley doesn't hit you up, right, and you don't right. have you know sort of those inputs and opportunities is there a point when mom and dad or someone's like hey yo like you guys start to focus on something man give the youth everything okay give them everything everything put them in debate club put uh-huh. them, you know put put a chess- diversity of experience yeah, and, yeah put okay. a chessboard in front of them mm. you know we're so quick to throw kids a football <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. you know there's nothing you know i'm not sure. i'm not tripping off of that you know but we're so quick to throw kids a football and throw kids a basketball, and then you have a kid that you know that could have been a he could have been a track star. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Or you know, so quick to say be a lawyer, so quick mm-hmm. to say be a doctor. Um, you know, when this kid could have been the mm-hmm. next Martin Luther King, could have mm-hmm. been the next. You know, so you know, it, we can move in different ways. And at some point, yeah, I mean, I guess you tighten it up a little bit, but you know, in the beginning, give them everything. Mm. 
You know, allow them to do everything. And that I was talking to to uh, Ty Cooper about this the other day. We talk about sort of diversity of experiences. I know, Ty, and, big up Ty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty's great. And Ty, Ty came in here, same kind of thing. Ty got less less heads up than you did. Impossible. Um, shot him a text, and he was like, "Y'all be there at 11. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I was talking to him about that because he he used to run a bunch of events and did this black ski fest that he was up in Massanutten. And we were talking about again the diversity of experiences that especially young black kids have. Right. And things, I mean, simple things like, you know, vacations to the beach or being able to see different parts of the world or playing chess or doing, I mean, is, is that when we think about not only who were, what experiences we're offering, but who we're offering them to, right? I mean, do you see that as kind of an inroad to say, look, we got to, we have to ex- do what you're doing, expose more black youth to different things other than just sports or, uh, you know, the typical things that we kind of, you know, we, we push these kids into. Most definitely. I work I work with uh disadvantaged youth. I work with youth that come from communities that they don't have much exposure outside of their community. Sure. So they really do what they're given, you know. Yeah, right. But the interesting thing is, you know, to have I've experienced I've seen a, a, a kid who had never played chess before. Yep. Uh once you showed him the moves, yeah, which way each piece moves, this kid's a this kid's a genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, he went to, you know, and I did, I wasn't able to witness this part, but he went to, um, a magnet school, a magnet school in the community Sure, came from the school that I work at yeah. that is considered to be a, a school that works with behaviors and, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and went to a magnet school and destroyed, <laughs> destroyed, <laughs> went, ran through the whole team. Yeah. And so, you know, no one knew that who would have thought to put that in front of who would have thought to put it in front of them, but being you know and that's the beauty of working in a in a community and in a school that I like I work in is yeah. um they have the opportunity to be able to to expose some of the our kids to things that they would not see otherwise mm-hmm. um I've seen a kid take a Rubik's cube and, and mm. five of them pick them up <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and this kid had yeah. trouble reading sure but he mm. could he could pick up he could take five Rubik's cubes mm-hmm. and you could mix them up and he wouldn't even look at them <laughs> He knew the algorithm. <laughs> he could pick up one, look at you the whole time he's working them, yeah. set them to the side, and all of them will be solved. Good night. So I think that's where, you know, I think our responsibility is to, you know, everything that we have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the things that we don't have access to, we have to find um, access. We have to work extra hard, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, we, we have to demand something. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and if I don't know how to do it, then my job is to find somebody in the community that can do hmm. it. Um, and be able to, to sort of connect those dots. Yeah. 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 Um, last uh, last question I got for you. 20 minutes goes by quick, man. Last question I got for you is is just talk to me a little bit about what's what's next. Right. So so what's on the horizon for you sort of musically and philanthropically? Is you, you know, are you going back over to Africa to continue to work in that? Do you have anything big planned Um from uh, you know, is is there is there a new album coming out? What's on the horizon? So my crew is in Kenya right now. Okay, wow. Um, a good brother of mine, Walter um, Slosky, who um, catering outfit as well as the Shabine. I was about to. Uh, say, I was, that's why I recognize that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe yeah. he lands today. Um, but everybody is is gathering in Kenya right now. They're about to start the proper safari, mm. which will be four days um, walking. I believe north northeast Kenya. Uh, this trip, I believe, um, they're still raising money. We're still raising money mm-hmm. um, for the year, each year. Um, so I, I wasn't able to make it um, this trip around, but I definitely will will be in Kenya next year. Mm. Um, 
at the Children's Center, as well as probably do a little bit of a tour. Um, hopefully have about five or six dates there. I have a band there mm. called the Yellow Light Machine. Mm -hmm. And so we've done some um, music yeah. there, which is pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, right now working to complete my second album yeah. with my band, Design Number no. 5. We are working diligently. Hopefully we'll be in the studio maybe two or three more times before we can send off to be mixed and mastered. Yeah. Um, I'm working with a, a project called the Ngoma Zetu Project, mm -hmm. um, which is amazing. I'm working with some South African artists, um, uh, a guy named Vusi Masela, um, which you may you may know or some uh, Charlotte's Villians may know his connection with uh, Dave Matthews and like Red Light. Ah, uh, um, okay. And... Uh, um, Mongezi and Taka. He's mm -hmm. the producer and guitarist that kind of brought me onto the project. Um, so I have a song on a seven uh, track album um, okay. called The Seven Chapters of Mystery that dropped this year. Okay. My song is the only song in English. You'll, you'll hear uh, Swahili. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear uh, Zulu. You'll hear Arabic. You'll, it's wow. a, a beautiful project. Seven Chapters of Mystery um, with the Ngoma Zetu project. And we're, we're currently also working on um, another thing that I can't. I, uh, no. I, I won't talk about just you guys, yet. You guys can't see the right smile, but there's there's <laughs> apparently another thing that um that that you guys got to stay tuned for. Um, well, cool man. Look, big thanks for coming down. I mean, we're gonna get you back. We're gonna bring mom in here. We're gonna we're gonna get the whole whole gang in here. Another big thanks to our sponsor, Cotter Myers Automotive. If you guys do have ideas for the show or want to get in touch with us, hit us up on social media on all platforms at United Way Seville. Drop us a note at envision at unitedwayseville.org. If you want to keep up with Mighty Joshua, make sure you check him out on the internet on Twitter and Instagram at Mighty Joshua. Follow him on Facebook. Music is everywhere. Uh, yeah. Spotify, all over the all over the map. Wherever you listen to good music, search him, hit him up, find it, learn Swahili, figure out what's going on and what is it seven chapters of mystery seven chapters of mystery the project is the group is called Ngoma Zetu that sounds awesome for uh, for for Price Thomas Ravi Respeto Mighty Joshua here in the studio we appreciate y'all and we'll see you guys next week love you mom <laughs> me too love you too mom <laughs>